0: Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Bolton here. Welcome back to the Speak Aloud Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, today we have a, a repeat return guest. We had uh, Kendra Hall with us back on episode 279. Had a lot of people who uh, sent emails and messages just saying how helpful that, that episode was. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and listen to it. She walks through in detail. Exactly how she got her start within the past couple of years as a speaker. So I think sometimes we, uh, I know we talked to people on the show before who, you know, they've been at it for 20, 30, 40 years, maybe longer than perhaps you've been alive. Uh, and just like ah, it just seems like such a long thing. But Kinder literally started her speaking career within the past few years, and has really seen substantial growth. as so we dig into that back in episode two seventy nine. So make sure you listen to that. In today's episode, we talk all about her book Stories That Stick. We talk about storytelling for speakers, whether to use first person or third person stories, how to make sure that stories are built around the audience, uh, how do you capture stories, how do you process stories. Uh, so just all types of ideas related to storytelling. So. A lot of good stuff here. Before we get to the conversation with Kendra, let me remind you, if you haven't already, definitely pick up your copy of The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform. If you are serious about finding and booking gigs, this is the book, the playbook, the guide, the, the manual that you need for building and growing your speaking business. So again, go pick up The Successful Speaker on Amazon, Bunch of Noble, wherever you get your books. All right, let's get to the, today's conversation with Miss Kendra Hall. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here today, joined once again by Miss Kendra Hall. We are going to be talking about all things storytelling for speakers, as we've talked about numerous times here on the podcast. Stories are one of the most powerful, one of the most effective uh, tools for any speaker. And uh, Kendra is going to give us all the wisdom she possibly has on all things stories. She's the author of Stories That Stick. Kendra, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm good.
0: All no, right. All right. So uh, at the time of this recording, this, I know people are going to be listening to this later, but at the time of this recording, we are in the thick of all things Corona and COVID. Uh, you do a lot of speaking engagements that magically disappeared overnight. Uh, how are you feeling? How are you holding up in the thick of all this?
1: You know, I, um, it, it comes and goes, I think initially. like we're, we're several weeks in now, and I think you go through all the, the what is it, the grieving... process where it's denial and then it's anger and then i don't even know what the other steps are but i'm pretty sure i went through all of them (laughs) um but at this point there's a few like key key things number one uh i used to complain not complain but be like oh gosh i'm always on the road i'm always traveling i'm always in a suitcase uh i would give anything to be walking through an airport right now with a suitcase like you you it's easy to forget and then um ultimately i think the thing that is the hardest is I just miss the people in the audience you know with yeah. each event you didn't realize they I didn't realize it that I would think of it this way but you know you get the contract they'd say oh there'd be about this many people in the audience and and in the back of my mind I'd be thinking about that I picture the room with that many people in it and I couldn't see their faces but I, I think I felt their presence mm-hmm. um, and would just start looking forward to sharing with them and so to have that Um, not be here is sad, but to have the realization that how much that means to me, what, what this is really all about has, has been helpful. It's been a good relation. So when this is all done and we're on the other side, however long that takes and whatever it looks like, um, those are two things that I will definitely carry with me.
0: Yeah. How are you trying to keep your head, uh, just in the right, in the right headspace right now, knowing that, you know, as speakers, we tend to be more, uh, optimistic, motivational, uh, from stage and we're in the thick of this going like, well, this really sucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how are you balancing like the realism of the moment with also, you know, not being overwhelmed or discouraged or frustrated. Also knowing that at the, again, at the time of this recording, we don't really know when, like you, we can look at a calendar and say, okay, I know I have an event booked on this date, but it's also like with each passing day or week, you're kind of like, I don't know if that event is going to happen. And there was yeah. a time where it was like, well, of course that event's going to happen. But now like the closer you get to you're like, who knows, you know? So how are you just keeping your head in the, the right space right now?
1: You know, what? I think it is. I think for all of us, for any of us that have gone through it, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is just the identity crisis of all of it. And you get to watch in your own mental ecosystem, like who you really are as a person. And I think this is true. For speakers, I think this is true for anyone, but as speakers, being optimistic and that really being, you know, I don't i don't know very many speakers who get on stage mm-hmm. and, and spout doom and gloom. That's not really what it is. Uh, for me, I've had my, I've had a few moments where it wasn't so much, um, it was more like, well, what does this mean? Where do mm-hmm. I go from here? But my philosophy, kind of my whole life, and it's been interesting, it's been great to watch this really play out in that way is recognizing when you're in the middle of a story. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of what may seem like endings, like a lot of, for this year, I mean, this year was insane for me, what it was supposed to look like. And the stages were not just stages, they were stadiums. And um, and with each one of those seeming endings, to, to remind myself that this is actually the middle, of a story like there will be a point where I can tell this part even though this feels like an end right now um this is a story I'll be able to tell so that's been that mindset has helped me hopefully I mean I know people will be listening to this later on so (laughs) I don't know maybe I won't feel that way a couple months from now I'm not sure but no that's been really um and then compartmentalized optimism uh I've had moments in this experience where I've actually said out loud, I hope this does last a little bit longer because uh, the creative, deep, hard work that requires you sitting at your house or pacing around your living room or whatever. I haven't been able to do that because I've been on the road and it's just not the same when you're trying to catch a flight and get from hotel and get to sound check. Um, so in those moments, I really celebrate when I've had those moments of like, oh gosh, this is so good. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how I've, that's how I've handled it.
0: All right. Let's talk about stories. So, uh, first of all, why, why are stories so, uh, important? Why are they so valuable to a, uh, to a speaker?
1: Mm. Well, there's there's a couple different levels that we can look at. There's a couple different levels I want to to look at this. Number one, from that straight up, this is, this is the one that everybody knows. It makes you more engaging, right? Like your audience your audiences want to hear stories, and particularly when it's on a big stage. Like it, think back to how you listen mm-hmm. to presentations. Like I was sitting, and as speakers, oftentimes we're not in the audience, but in those instances where you have been, and there's another speaker up there, Think about how you kind of like, it's almost like the scroll on a YouTube video where you kind of like scroll, you know, like you, you yeah, yeah. scroll it forward and you have to sit there and look at it all, but your brain is paying attention. Your brain engages uh, when it's a story being told. And so of course you want that when you're on stage to have those moments to really re-engage them. I think that's the obvious thing. Um, the, the second, reason it's so important is because this is how they will, if you really care about your content, like Mm -hmm. if if you are teaching it something that is important to you um, and you think that it will really bring value to their life, then those most important parts should be illustrated with stories because the stories are the thing that they're going to, Remember, they're not going to remember the slides you put up there. They're not going to remember all the little other things you talk about. They may remember like frameworks, if you have frameworks that you show them, but none of that will matter as much as the stories. So, so that's the second reason to to give your, you know, to give your content a chance to live beyond your 60, 45 minutes, however long it is on stage. This also is relevant virtually as well, if we're still all doing Zoom calls for our keynotes. But the third reason that it's so important is I think part of the reason that my speaking business um, took off the way that it did, that it was the success that it was, that it is, is because I told stories. And 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 when you're telling a story as a speaker, it allows um, – it works on two different levels a it allows the audience and the planners and the decision makers in the room to really get to know you to get to like you to 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 connect with you the professional this is beyond the audience this is like for those people that make the decisions and not only that then you know, a lot of this is referrals, someone or spin, someone will be sitting in your audience and they're the decision maker for a different event. They can go back and say, I saw this woman who told these stories and, and it, and you end up having a more, your message carries beyond further to be hired again. So yeah. I think that's a, That's an element that people don't always know about. If you're telling great stories on stage, people will like your presentations more. They'll be able to talk about you to other decision makers and that'll perpetuate your business.
0: Yeah. It, it reminds me, uh, and I've shared this before, but um, my oldest daughter, she's thirteen. We, um, she goes to our local church's youth group, and so I'll take her on a Wednesday night, drop her off, come back an hour and a half or so later, pick her up, and she'll hop in the car and say, "Hey, what did the youth pastor talk about?" And most of the time, she's like, "Oh, yeah, uh, what did he yeah, right." Like it's kind of like a you know a, a phrase or two or a couple words or something. But she'll re- oh, he told me the story, and like she'll go on to just like recite verbatim the story. And in fact, there's a couple times where she's told me a story uh that he told and like here we are maybe a month or two later i still remember the story i'm hearing exactly. it secondhand exactly. i wasn't there but still remember the story so to that end is it um uh what's the right amount of stories that uh should be included in a, a speech or presentation i think about like um you know that famous commencement address from steve jobs where uh, I think it's Stanford where he basically said he told three stories and that was it. So you didn't yeah. really dig into it much. So what's the right amount of stories for it to be, um, cause you don't want to, you don't want to leave a talk or, or create a talk and you feel like, I'm creating all this good content, but nobody's going to remember this. You know, they're going to walk yeah. out of this, but they're going to remember. I know they're going to remember the story, but all this other stuff expounding on the story or the point of the story or yada yada, they're not going to remember that, but they'll remember the story. So what's the right balance of, of stories we should be telling?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great, and that's a great question. And I think that it, there's a couple of different ways to, uh, there's a couple of different ways to approach this. I have seen some really successful keynotes where, it, and I think you also have to decide what kind of speaker you are. Like there mm-hmm. are speakers who their the whole talk is the story of their life. And maybe they punctuate with a leadership lesson here or there, but the bulk of it is a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there is a place for that. I think you have to be careful because not every, like, I can't do that. I can't get up there and tell the story of my life because who, people aren't in the audience to listen to the story yeah. of my life. Right? Right, right. Um, so, so that aside, I think one of the big rules of thumb is what are the messages that you either think a, they won't understand, like the, the points that you're trying to make that they won't necessarily remember or that they fully need to grasp. Those should be punctuated with stories. Oh my The printer just went off in my closet. That's
0: good. This is all staying... You get the printer. This is all staying in. We're not editing this.
1: Uh, You can't... This is like (laughs) Corona life, but you know what's going to happen is they're going to come in here and they're going to try to come into the closet, which is where I'm recording this right now, but I locked the door, so just just wait two seconds and then you'll have to hear me say I'm recording a podcast I'll be there in a
0: minute good I'm excited
1: how do I you know what watch I'm gonna unplug this.
0: okay so here's the, the thing like this makes a good story because no right now no one knows where this is going and this is why we're leaving this in people <laughs> are gonna hang on and be like are they going to are they is someone coming to the door are they not coming to the door yeah
1: exactly leave them in suspense which actually let me take let me take a step back from the other point that I was just about to make but one another strategy for including stories in your in your presentation is to have one story that reappears throughout so you kind of so you open with the first part of that story you teach a particular lesson or part of your message Um, then you come back to the next part of that story that then sets you up but then you cut it just like on a cliffhanger like is the door going to open or not And then you teach and it needs to support and be relevant to the next part of your lesson. And then you can come back to the story and then you can wrap up, wrap up with the, with the end. And even better if there's a a twist at the end, but there, there doesn't necessarily have to be. My warning with that would be there, there aren't many stories or it it takes extra work to have one story carry a whole keynote in that way. It takes work. It takes practice. It takes a lot of, um, moving the parts around. Uh, but that, but that's another, I've seen it done. And when it's done well, it's like,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's really great. But back to the first, back to the first aspect, which like, for example, my keynotes, I open with a story. I give an overview of what I'm going to be teaching. I move into the first portion of the content and then Throughout that first portion, I punctuate it with little stories that either A, illustrate a concept that I really want them to remember, or B, illustrate a concept that I think they won't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Like I really need them to hear a story in order to say, oh yeah, I see the difference there. Oh yeah, that really makes sense to me. Right.
0: Connect the dots.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Gotcha. Is there, you, you kind of touched on there a couple different um, ways that speakers can use stories, meaning that maybe you tell one story that's just kind of a stop start throughout an entire presentation. Yep. We talked about like a Steve Jobs who may, I'm just going to tell three stories. Each story is kind of its own standalone point. Yep. Um, someone may, and everything in between. So are there, are there some formats that work better than others or formats that you would recommend uh, for some speakers more so than others?
1: I would say if you are, well, again, with the one that, I, w- I would say the one where it's a whole long story, that's going to be, that's going to be the most challenging. That might yeah. be best if you have like, like four key principles that you want to, that, that you're, maybe the lessons that you're teaching are not super granular, but. Um, they're not super high level, they're kind of like that mid level, just understand this principle of leadership, understand this principle of leadership. Yeah. That's the format that would really that that suits that well. If you are a speaker who is leaving them with, um, like actionable, which I think more and more organizations are, are looking for that, like they, they want their people to leave feeling really good. Yes. But they also want them to leave, Maybe I just think this because this is what I do. So there you go. <laughs> but they want them to leave being able to do something yeah. with what they learned in the room that day. And then for those, I would say that's where you might break up and use different smaller stories to to illustrate the different teaching points. Right. So if that's more your approach, if that's what you want to deliver when you're on stage, then be looking for different smaller stories to to illustrate the points you're making.
0: Hey, friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlabcom slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done for you websites, done for you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. What do you do whenever you're creating a story? And I want to dig into some of the creation part of it. But when you're creating a story and you're, you like one of the things we talk about in the book, we tell speakers all the time is when you're, you're giving a presentation just in general that the audience is always asking themselves two questions. So what? And now what? So what? And now what? Mm-hmm. So, so what? That, that's awesome that that happened to you. That's awesome that you landed a plane on the Hudson. That's awesome that you overcame cancer. That's awesome that you fill in the blank thing. But what does that have to do with me? And now what, what am I supposed to do as a result of that? So there's a difference between someone hearing a story going, that was a good story, or that was funny, or that was interesting, or that was fascinating, but I still don't know what am I supposed to do with that? So, uh, does every story have to have some type of here's the next action item you're supposed to take as a result of this story?
1: Mm, I don't, I mean, I don't think they have to be, I don't think it has to be a literal, I think that's the point of telling a story It doesn't have to say you don't finish and say, now this is what you, that's what you should do. Right. Like it kind of um, makes the point without the error of, defining it like you kind of just get to give them the story and they can then make their own decisions based on what that based on the lessons that were learned in it without you saying now go do this but but an interesting thing that you mentioned right there that that i feel very strongly about is to not underestimate the power of small stories Mm -hmm. um you know like yeah if you overcome i i feel like there's a tendency or a desire or I've heard people who have are on their way to becoming a speaker and will write me and say now I finally have a story because this terrible thing happened to me um or you, you, whatever it is yeah. and and the reality is that when when your audience is looking for stories they're normal people mm-hmm. and and they they want to be able to see themselves in that story and and sometimes when the story is too big they can't kind of like what you were saying like okay so you landed a plane on the hudson like i'm i'm never going to be flying a plane
0: yeah
1: or you know like so so don't underestimate the value like i open I have a variety of different openings that I use in keynotes. One is the story that I open stories that stick with, which is the buying cologne in Slovenia. Like there was no, it was, it was a simple interaction that I happened to notice as, wait, there's a story here. Um, I open some of my keynotes with a story about my 12th grade physics class. Um, Everybody sat in, a science class at some point in their life. They can see yeah. themselves there. Um, so, so your goal with telling stories is for them to be able to picture it and see it and even better if they can see themselves in that story. Um, so for that reason, smaller stories can be as effective in, yeah. in, in many cases
0: to that end, you kind of touched on this, but, um, do you have a preference between first person stories versus third person? Cause it's one thing to be like, um, let me tell you about whenever I went to Slovenia and bought cologne, or let me tell you about, um, you know, a time I went skydiving or a time that, you know, I was in a, mm-hmm. um, a science class or whatever it may be. Um, versus, you know, let me tell you about this case study, um, from the 1800s, or let me tell you about, here's something that Apple's doing today or whatever, you know, what's your preference on, on first person versus third person stories?
1: Um, well, I think that, That's such a good, that's such a good question. And there, I I almost see what you, there, there's a point, there's a point in between. So first and foremost, like if there are, you know, like case studies, those, those are, I consider those something different. Like I consider those case studies, right? So, so that isn't, and you can tell it with interest and intrigue and people, people might remember it. And, you know, like you can tell it kind of like a story ask, but it's a, it's a, it's a case study
0: different category
1: exactly um now when it comes to first person versus third person telling your own story versus telling someone else it the story of someone else i think that that is so so i use you know a lot of my content in my keynotes are stories from previous clients who have been using their stories. Um, so that's a third person story. I'm telling their story. It's not my story. Yeah. I do tell it with, I do tell it with, I, I call it the, uh, the. so here's something we can, here's something you can think about. When it isn't your story, when it isn't something that happened to you, but it's a story that is valuable. It's a story that, you know, um, adds add something to your keynote. I call it a bystander story. So you can tell someone else's story, but include right there on the front end, your connection to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so maybe it is that you hear, you heard a story from somebody else and you'll say, I'll never forget the day I heard this story then you tell the story and then when you come back out of it you tell the part of like what that made you think about and like your. so it's kind of encapsulated you tell your story around the other person's story that you're telling does that make sense Mm -hmm.
0: this is where we get
1: this is where we get really like in the in the thick of it (laughs) but the the other thing that i would say i know that um here the the truth is and part of the reason that that i wrote the book is finding stories Crafting your own stories, telling your own stories, sounds easier than it actually is. Yeah. Um. You know, like I, I think back to trying to find new stories for my keynote, and some, it's, it's hard to do. Yeah. Um. And, and it's a lot easier to go out and find someone else's story, like to Google story about leadership, or Google, you know, whatever you want to Google, and then, and then retell that. Um. It's so important, I think, for speakers to be looking at their life, their interaction with clients, those moments, and see any moment in your life as an opportunity for a story to be told. Like, like you can be collecting stories, just, you know, like that, um, the story about Cologne that just happened to me. It wasn't, right. I didn't Google it, like it happened and I thought, oh, and even in that moment, I didn't necessarily know that it was a story I would use later. Yeah. Um, but there, it's hard work. That was the first point. But the second point is, this is where you really get to own your stuff. Yeah. Like nobody wants to get on stage and tell a story from the story bank of speakers that somebody told last year, right? Really? Like, like you have, story. exactly, right? right? Like you have so many, um, there, the, the storytelling material that lives within each of us is so vast that you would never have to tell. Uh, an off the shelf story if you just develop the discipline of, of finding your own
0: okay, so to that end like what's that discipline look like because like you said you go you know you, you buy Cologne and Sylvania and part of you may be thinking i don 't know maybe there's something here or is that compelling or interesting enough because there's there's things that happen on a daily basis yeah. that you're just kind of like i don 't think that there's enough there for a story or um, or even just like something happened you 're like maybe it is a big story and you're like, I should use that and you don 't capture it in some way. Exactly. And it's, and, it's gone. Yeah. Um, so what does that process look like for you? Something happens. How are you capturing it? How are you processing it? How are you thinking about it? Because the other thing with stories is you may not know what the point of it is, or exactly. my guess is for you, just the same, like I feel about myself is like, I've got several stories that I can go a bunch of different directions with. So here's the key story. I can make X point out of it, or I can make Y point out of it, or I can make Z point out of it, depending on the nature of the audience or where we want to go with the talk or whatever it may be. So you may not necessarily know like how to connect the dots yet for here's a story and here's the point out of it. I just know there's something there. So what does that process look like? Capturing and processing, thinking through how it fits.
1: Yeah. I really think that I need, that needs to be my, my next COVID project is to make it like an actual perfect, like I should build an app. That's what I should do. do Like a a story, find my stories that stick stories. Um, so there isn't a perfect science to it. I do think that sometimes it is, uh, just, and I don't want to say this because but sometimes I feel like it's a but there is a discipline. And I think what you said right there is, is so important is to have a place where when something kind of happens um, that you think could be a story, maybe it's just a fraction of a story or if it's a, it's a wisp of a memory that could be a story to have a place where you put those, not, not that they have to be, because so many stories get lost because we only see We only see that like flash of, of, of a piece of it. And because we don't see, because it doesn't emerge as a, as a perfect fully formed story, we kind of discard it without realizing that these wisps of stories kind of add up over time to a whole story. So to have a place to put it. So here are a few of the places that I put my stories. Um, Notepad app. I just have a, a, in the, in the notepad, I have a folder that says like, stories yep. um and then I just put little things now of course I just went into that app today and I was going through some of the things and I have no idea what I was talking about in a lot of them <laughs> right so so it does mean that I've been getting a little bit better at when a story comes to me like if I'm on a run if a story comes to me I stop my run like I'm not racing anybody there's not a lion behind me like yeah. I can stop my run and type it into my phone enough that I can Include the emotions in there. Like, what was, what was that little, what was the thing that brought me in that made me think that this could be a story? So that's one of the places to put those scraps. Another place is just in a, in a journal. I always have a journal with me because sometimes I like to write them down. Now you get too many places. Now you're looking all over for your stories, but this is it. Um, sometimes I'll email them to myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're the three places. Another place that I've been putting stories, even when they're not fully built out, is posting them on social media. Um, turning them into captions that are small, you know, are, are small Mm -hmm. right up front. Um, and knowing that, okay, they're safe right there. Now I do get nervous because who knows when Instagram is just going to suddenly decide that they own all that content and I can't copy it out of the captions or whatever. I don't know. Um, but just yesterday I, you know, we went out for our, our walk um, that we get to do through Central Park. And we were, we walked single file as a family because some of the paths, well, y'all single file, some of the paths are too narrow to be six feet feet apart from people. And we were walking by these park benches and just out of the corner, I wasn't paying attention to the park bench, but except to be like, okay, we got to keep six feet away from the people on the bench. And there were two old guys sitting on the bench, but they were like two benches apart. So you don't know if they're sitting together or not. And as we're walking, all of a sudden, from one of them, I hear them say he, say, he says, what, in this really low, like, like Star Wars-y voice, like, what doesn't kill you? But that was it. Like, that's all, <laughs> that was all he said. And I didn't know if he were, so I waited, because <laughs> I didn't want to be rude to, like, turn around and see if he was going to finish that thought. Like, And he right. said it with this, like, old sage, right? So I'm like, what's he telling me? I'm, I will take, I will take, Information from anywhere at this point to like some sort of guidance for for what is ahead. Nobody says what doesn't kill you. And so I waited a minute, and then I turned around to try to be subtle. And there, and they were just these, still these two old guys sitting on the benches, two benches apart. And you couldn't tell if he was talking to him, right? If he maybe he was just saying it to me, right? I just don't so know. So what do you
0: what did you do what have you since then? Cuz again, it's kind of like there might be something here. I yeah. don't really know. I could. Yeah. But yeah. Like, what, so what do you do with that since then?
1: So that happened yesterday and what actually happened is I knew that I needed to post a story yesterday on my Instagram and I just yeah. was tired. I didn't have any I couldn't come up with any like I just couldn't. And I was like, "You know what? Maybe one will come to me when I go to the park." And then that happened and I was like, "Good enough." So, <laughs> I took that and I put it in the caption and that's and that's all, I now I can't even remember exactly what I said, but I said the part about, you know, what doesn't kill you, and I tried to figure out who he was talking to. And, um, and I think we're all kind of wondering how right. the rest of that sentence. Now, here's the thing. So that caption right there is a wisp, but that's a wisp of a story. Yeah. It was a moment in time. But I might be able to come back to that and that could be a part of a story once I do know what the rest of this story is. Or maybe that that little lesson right there becomes, you know, that I was walking through the park and I heard him say that and I could build it into a bigger story that then says another time where I was just like suspended, not knowing, you know, what doesn't kill you then? Yeah, what does happen? And then I could come back to, you know, so there's so many, but I would never that was just a moment in time that I would have totally forgotten had it not been on my mind that I needed to write a caption for later that day. And so I think if you kind of approach, so if you're a speaker and you need a new story, have that kind of like, um, there, there needs to be an awareness and a discipline, but also an openness like, uh, okay, I'm putting it out there that, that I need a story for this. And, and let's see what will happen. I, uh, I'm working on my second book now, <laughs> you know, when I'm not teaching second and third grade. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on what my dad had the nerve to say to me. He's like, so are you at least working on your second book? And I'm like, yeah, says the man who has to, you know, oh my gosh, don't get me started. But, but I, needed I did not. A, I know. I did that to myself. Um, but I, I need an opening story for that yeah. book and, you know, pre, coronavirus it was like oh maybe i could tell this or maybe i could tell that um but it's a book all about the stories you tell yourself and So i was like well you know i just need to be open to to a story about a time that i really had to be aware of the stories i was telling myself and then, yeah. and then coronavirus happened and so now here we are i am in the middle of figuring out what this story is but that openness and awareness um, to finding
0: them. But I like the idea, I, I like the general exercise of taking some type of wisp of a story and posting on social media because the reality when when you are creating a story or when you're creating a talk, you're making an educated guess. Mm-hmm. I think this is funny. I think this is interesting. I think this is fascinating. I think this is compelling, but I don't really know until I get in front of an audience and you yep. see that actual feedback. And so putting something on social media and saying like, I, I, I may post one story on social media and it gets a ton of comments and likes and shares and, And people just, it just resonates with people. It just like struck a chord somehow, even in that medium versus I may tell a different story. It's like, it just didn't go anywhere. It just didn't land for whatever reason, right? Um, And so just like doing some testing and viewing things as experiments, because you may have a hundred stories and of those hundred stories, you may have one or two or three that are really like, I'm going to tell these for the next 20 years of my Sweden career. And you're going to have some that, like you said, some may just be a, it's a one minute story within a 10 minute story, you know, and that works fine. And some that are just like, I told him twice it didn't make the cut and it's fine, but I, I tried it, you know, I, th- yeah. I floated something out there. So just getting into the habit of, of identifying, of capturing, of processing stories and, and floating them out there and seeing like seeing what the, the response would be.
1: Yep. Well, and, and, and truthfully, as I'm saying, you know, put it up on Instagram, a story that's on Instagram isn't necessarily a story that's going to translate to the stage either. Yeah. Uh, and there is a risk, and maybe this is just me. Maybe this is a personal thing. Um, but my storytelling mentor, Donald Davis, uh, who is just, he's super old school. He's not a speaker, except that he speaks, you know, but he just tells stories at storytelling festivals. And he always said that um, that you should be telling stories tell the story first before you write it down. Because there's something that happens when you write the story that, and, and this is what happens for me, um, I have a really hard time taking a story from off a page or off of a caption mm-hmm. and putting it on a stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, you know, so, so that's, that would just be, if anybody else has struggled with, where you write it down and then you end up reciting the story uh I think that having an awareness of what the story could be but not getting too tied up in writing it out first and then putting it up on stage because they're just they're two different things so kind of having the idea playing with it when you're on stage or now I think one of the great things that's happening um in this coronavirus time is we're going there's so much more virtual work and I have some that are digital keynotes where they're expecting the same polish, the same presentation as they would have gotten on a stage had I been there in person, but some that are, it's a little bit more loose. What a perfect opportunity to test new story material there.
0: Uh, all right. I got one other question for you. When the coronavirus stuff dies out and it will die out and at some point we'll resume life back to normal. My concern Mm-hmm. is that speakers are going to want to tell too many stories about all of this. Yeah. And I think at this point, like, I mean, again, at the time of this recording, we're, I don't know, a month, month and a half into this and people are already just annoyed by yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I could see like events are going to be happening and all the speaker stories are, let's talk about quarantine. Let's talk about when, you know, I knew such and such was affected by this, or here's where I lived and here's this crazy story that happened to me. So how do you, um, yeah, How do you tell yeah. stories that are that are also like timely and relevant? Because some things are like uh, you're going to tell a story that like it's going to be relevant in ten years, but something like continuing to beat the drum on something that um, is no longer relevant. So, for example, I used to tell a good story about American Idol. Well, that was when it was the original judges of Randy, Paula, Simon, and like, well, that yeah. story doesn't work anymore, you know. Yeah. Um. So there's times where it's like a time-sensitive story works really well, but going past that is no longer relevant. So, how do you think about uh time, like time-bound type of stories versus timeless stories?
1: Yeah, I think that, I, and and that's the. So if you're going to be. I know this is a. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think the best. The because these thoughts haven't been like thoroughly vetted, right? So this is just like fresh out of the oven. And and my thought would be exactly what you said. If that's what everybody is going to be, you can't. If you're going to be telling a story about this time, about the coronavirus, it's very important that you to go into it thinking that your story isn't special. I yeah. think we all think that our story is special somehow and we should. Like yeah. like but like that that our experience with the coronavirus. Now that right. this is like a global shared experience that right. ours is very special. Right. Um which I uh, here I am the storyteller saying, but but know that everyone in your audience thinks that their coronavirus story is very special too. Yeah. Everybody, and, and I think we started to see this like very, because I feel like in our industry, we were two weeks ahead of the curve. Uh, we started realizing that something was really happening here two weeks before it even dawned on anybody else because we started seeing um, March events canceling before yeah. anybody else had any idea what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I started getting emails from people being like, oh my gosh, I had to close my business, and I'm like, "Yeah, yes, that's what's happening here." You know, right. and it was all these different phases of people realizing that. So, so if you are going to the first step, if you're going to be sharing coronavirus stories, know that your story is special. Yes, but it's not that special. Everybody thinks that their story is special. Um, oh, that sounds really mean. Is it okay that I? Does that make sense or shit? No, I think
0: because again, like it goes back to the so what now what? Like the audience exactly. the audience is going, that's awesome, you landed a plane on the Hudson. I did not. So what does that have to do with me?
1: And and so I would say, um, and and I guess my plan is is if and only if if and only if it fits my content, like I am not going to shove a corona story in there because. I think I should, you know, because everybody's talking about it. So I should talk about it. I think this is a time for speakers, especially to stay in your lane, like be who you are. Not everybody needs to become a coronavirus expert. Um, If you do tell Corona stories, uh, recognize that what makes it special is your ability to, and it's exactly what you said right there, um, to turn it into a now what for yeah. them like that this story isn't for how they think about you it's for how they will move forward for themselves and yeah. to do that I would venture to say that going smaller is better so like like just a, a a single moment a a single funny thing or outrageous thing or um not not even outrageous like I so here's a here's another example I have this thought of like oh wow I'm going to have a coronavirus scent. Like the the, the smell that on the other side of this will remind me of this time because yeah. ours is warm vanilla sugar hand sanitizer. Like when we yeah. discovered that we needed to have hand sanitizer, uh, I and you couldn't buy it at any store, I went to Bath yeah. and Body Works and bought a bunch of like, I'm like warm vanilla sugar, fine. So we just smell like <laughs> warm vanilla sugar. I'm never going to smell like warm vanilla sugar ever again. But if right. I ever catch a whiff of it, it's going to be – you know, so it's just like this funny, like a little, but it's very small. Now you can take it to one extra level, and that is, I was thinking, like, what would my kids smile be? And I think my kids, their scent will be, their mom. Yeah. Because I used to be gone all the time, and now I'm here. Yeah. And and so right there, like it can be, like that's not a big. It's a, it's a, and again, these are all like baby stories, but to go like that to go that way, that they, your point is something that is relevant to, is, is small and and right there with all of them. Yeah. Does that make sense, Greg? Yes, it
0: makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. We have uh, just scratched the surface here on <laughs> all things storytelling. I'm sure, we, I know there's a bunch of other things I could ask you, but uh, for sake of time, uh, we will, let's talk about the book, Stories That Stick. Uh, tell yeah. us about the book. What's in it? Who's it for? Why do we need
1: it? So the book was, uh, the, the book was written, it's, a, it's a, for a business audience, but I don't think I, I mean, I think so much business happens in presentations. And yeah, yeah. so a lot of the examples that I give, uh, a lot of the methodology, and of course I come with my own filter, which is being on stage. Um, so stories that stick, essentially was, I know that there are so many people, whether it's in our industry or any industry that are talking about storytelling and you should be telling stories. Um, But then the how, like, okay, so what's in it for me just seems from, it just seems still inaccessible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I mentioned Donald Davis. I grew up going to storytelling festivals and like, I came to this from a storytelling perspective. Like I would go to festivals and the storytelling competitions and I was on the national board of the, I was on the board of directors for the national storytelling network. Like stories really are my and so I wrote stories that stick so that it wasn't just, this is why you should tell stories, but exactly how to do it. Yeah. Um, so in the book, it talks about the four stories that businesses need to have, which, which is which is true. But I think the bigger thing for speakers are, it gives the framework for how to put a story together. Yeah. And then the four key components that your stories need to have. And these are components that we've researched, that we've tested, that have proven that it will make your story more memorable, more persuasive, more influential, more engaging. Yeah. Um, so that's all right there in the book. So if that's something that you've been, if you've been trying to tell stories or they don't really hit. And then the other thing that I think is really important in there. speakers is I think that there is a there are some who who insert stories really well and there are some who think they're telling stories but they aren't they're almost telling stories um they're talking around stories they mention something that could be a story but it Mm. isn't a full story with the normal explosion new normal with the components that need to be there so So I wanted to, so for any speakers, like I can't quite figure out why my presentation isn't hitting the way that I think it should, that would be really helpful. And then lastly, the last part of the book is um, how to find stories, uh, different, more ideas for crafting them and more ideas for telling. But that finding your stories is going to be really valuable uh, because that's the first big hurdle for anyone, but especially for speakers.
0: Very good. Kendra, thank you for the time. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go?
1: Uh, kinderhall.com. I'm there. I'm on Instagram at kinderhall. Those are probably the best places. LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm around there.
0: The usual places we need to know. Uh, and I see you on video here, but nobody came to get the paper. What? The printer paper.
1: Oh, I know. I know.
0: We opened a loop. I felt like we had to close it.
1: I know. But I really think, wait, should I, should I see? Hold on. Hold on. Let me see if I can like, Hey Michael! I wonder if he printed it and realized what he had just done.
0: Dun dun dun. I
1: don't know if he's wearing pants though. Pants okay, are well, now. I'm gonna pants. end the
0: audio. I'm gonna stop the recording <laughs> on that.
1: Oh, I know. I think that's probably why I think that's probably what happened. Or they're cursing the printer right now because it wasn't working. Um, that's because I unplugged it. I'll
0: let you guys know in the outro whether or not she got the paper. <laughs>
1: yeah, I
0: All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kendra Hall. Again, I'd encourage you to uh, check her out on uh, social media and Instagram and all the places. Check out the book, the stories that stick as well. And while you're at it, also don't forget to pick up your copy of the successful speaker, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid and building your platform. Uh, All right, my friends, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Keep sharing your message, your message matters, and we will catch you next time. You're awesome.